are listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. Greg, he's a working man, working like a job every day. Brandon Jaggers. Gotta get up, go to work. And me, CC Broadus. I should be in bed to sleep, cause I'm old. Motherfucker, you ain't old. The Auxiliary Gate, big problem. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 4,627,348. The Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Don't wait. Our crack research team is telling me this is only episode number 145. MCC brought us joined by Toyota's own Alan Schneider. (laughs) How you doing? How you doing? I hope to not be Toyota's own any much longer. I have told you guys repeatedly. I'm done. Well, you, I got, the writing is on the wall. It's, I'm concerned. I mean, I got 26 years, and it's a long way away. And uh, I don't really enjoy it that much, quite frankly. But, yeah, I can retire at 25 down there. I got 26, and anybody wants to hire me, let me know. But uh, I can retire full benefits and stuff, yada, yada, yada. It's a long drive. I'm not going to bore anybody with it. I'm sick of it. So I ain't going to be Toyota's on much, much longer. And besides Alan, excuse me, beside Alan, is the inventor of the bank run, Brandon Jackers. <laughs> yeah. I got one of those shirts from uh uh SVB out in California. I think one of my cousins sent it to me. It says I was the loan officer of the month in March. So I thought it was pretty funny. Bankers so I, I wear it proudly until Sarah stained it recently. But nevertheless, uh just hearing about Alan retiring, man, I'm just Well, uh, I'll still work, but I want to retire from there. I've yeah. put my time in. But that work, the next job is going to be fun and hobby sure, type, we'll see. type of occupation. I don't know about I've that. Had, I've got 12, 13, 14, 15 more years. So, and I got can, a brand new baby. So, yeah, you can hire me, Brandon. Some of your rich folks. <laughs> yeah. When we started this podcast, I don't even think Toyota was making Camrys yet. <laughs> it's been a long time. Stagecoaches. We made stagecoaches, but we made the best damn stagecoach out there. Well, we hope everybody had a happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, a lot of racing. Uh, I think uh, the highlight of the local scene was Echo Zulu returning triumphantly in the winning color stakes. Uh, very, very, very impressive performance, in my opinion. Took took heat all the way and then drew away from a, probably a, a, an average to just slightly above average field. I don't know. I thought it was a pretty damn good winning colors field. Fire on time is is in super form and, and loves church and loves those one-turn races. And the fire on time pressed fire on time took one heck of a bit after that horse. And for moments like, eh, and then Echo Zulu just like changed the leans, tapped the reins and it was gone. So and fire on time's held second. Last leaves in pretty good form. I, Echo Zulu impressed me. I did expect Echo Zulu to win. Don't get me wrong. But when fire on time bid, I thought, man, we have a horse race here and just blink of an eye. Echo Zulu has got a big year ahead of her a big year now there's no bells the one or or wisconsin in this spot but fire on time is a very interesting horse because they tried to give her away twice last year for 50 
Mm-hmm. And somebody tried to claim her, and the claim was voided by the vet, uh, probably because she walked unsoundly. And then they ran her again for forty, right? And then and and she was claimed again, and the, and the claim was voided. I believe I, I'm doing this from memory, but I know at least once the claim was voided. And then all of a sudden they gave her some time off, and she came back, and and she's now graded, or, uh, yeah, graded stakes placed Philly. Uh, Dale Dale has been on Dale, Dale's been rolling this meet. His horses, his yep. good ones have been have been rocking. Yep. And Deer District absolutely destroyed a, a social field the other day. And and I, fire on time when fire on time is right. She's as good as it gets around these parts. Miss Yearwood won the Kirtana on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And she's really come to hand for the Ian Wilkes barn. Um, Been in good form, but had, had a great setup on top of it, too, and stuff. So the runner-up, I mean, Pete ran really well. Lovely Princess. Because that race looked tailor-made for your Miss Yearwood won by six. But Lovely yeah. Princess dug him. But they're both good fillies, apparently. Yeah. Right? Interesting to see what they do going forward. But uh, who trained Kirtana? Do you remember who trained Kirtana? Oh yeah, I do. I know. I know. I know. Who, who is it? Big Tom Proctor. There you go. That's who the race is named after. Yeah. Good training. Well, he's still training, but he he uh, won a Breeders' Cup distaff with One Dreamer, right? Back yeah, cool. uh, roughly 1994, maybe or Sounds 98. Like- yeah. 45 to 1 or 48 to 1 early fires. and That was the one. It was uh, Heavenly Prize and Sky Beauty and another big filly. It was uh, like three of them that were really, really good. And then Gary Stevens put one dreamer on the lead. And I think it was early fires, but you're right. It's Gary Stevens. Walk the dog. Yep. Well, that was the one that uh, Durkin said uh, somebody or they stole a million-dollar race, and we've got it on videotape. That's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe the race before or two races before one at Kentucky Downs on the grass. I think I think there's a race named after her now too. That was uh, that was that is true. Yeah. Okay. There's your history lesson for today. As we digress. Oh, uh, without further ado, let's get right to our guest, and then we're gonna we're gonna argue a little bit later. So uh, here, here's our guest right after this. Wide open, heading for the eighth pole. Foreign Relations comes away with the lead. Limited Liabilities, a hard-charging second now. English Conqueror third toward the inside. Final 16th, Foreign Relations clear by three. Foreign Relations got it in the Louisville. Okay, if you do a Google search on our guest, you'll often see his name synonymous with the word lucky. (laughs) I'm here to tell you that there's more to this guy than luck. Maybe hardworking, shrewd, opportunistic. Whatever you want to say that paints him as a rising star here in Kentucky. He just won the Louisville Stakes at Churchill Downs on Preakness Day with a lightly raced horse named Foreign Relations, who has a bright future in his own right. I'm talking, of course, about Connor Murphy, and he joins us to celebrate his big win last Saturday. Connor, how are you doing? Hey, guys. How's it going? Very good. Thanks for having me on. How was your Memorial Day weekend? It was great. Um, uh spent Saturday with family. Um, my kids had a birthday party and then Sunday and Monday racing and horses didn't have any wins, but they both ran promising races for maidens. So, yeah, good good weekend overall. Good. I'd say, where, where are you uh, based or stable? So we're at Skylight Training Centre, um, just outside. Uh, it's, it's in Goshen. Um, it's about 25, 30 minutes outside Louisville. So, um, you know, great facility. Um, there's just four, it's a, you know, synthetic surface and there's, uh, 
Uh, Ian Wilkes, Tommy Drury, they've been there. They've been there for a long time. Uh, I've been there about 10 years now. And then we just, um, we had another few trainers join uh, recently, Annie Navarrete, uh, Tommy Humphreys and Brian Nippenberg. So it's um, it's a great facility. Lucky to be there. Fairly quiet, I would assume. Yeah, very quiet. Great, um, great environment for, for horses and, um, you know, obviously being Irish and, you know, growing up, you know, and working over there and, and in Europe in general, it's, it's, uh, it's very similar. It's as similar as you get to over there, I guess, um, bar the gallops, but the environment certainly is very similar. Okay. Now you've got a very, 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 very interesting backstory, but before we get into the backstory, I want to clear up. Did, were you here a long time ago? Were you here in this country working for the likes of Niall O'Callaghan and, and David Carroll back in the day? Was that is that right? That's that's correct. Yeah, I came over 2006, and I worked for Niall O'Callaghan for a couple of years, and I was with David for a while as well afterwards. Um, and uh, just um, got a job a job opportunity in England that was too good to turn down. So, so I moved back there and I was there for four years and, uh, I've been here full time now, uh, since 2012. Okay. Now let's talk about, now let's talk about the backstory. Now you, you're fairly famous for a wager that you won during the Cheltenham festival. Could, could you go into detail and kind of tell the story about, uh, about this wager? Uh, for those that uh, maybe don't know, the Cheltenham Festival is uh, is a jump meeting in England. Uh, I mean, I, I, that's a horrible way to describe it because I know it's a very popular meeting there. Uh, could you give us some background first on the Cheltenham Festival, what that is? So the Cheltenham Festival is held uh, every March in Cheltenham in, in England. Um, it's, I suppose, the best way to 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 describe it as it's probably like the breeders cup of of steeplechasing is probably what is the best way to put it but you know every everybody's season in national hunt racing is is pointed towards the Cheltenham festival it's it's the pinnacle of jumps racing and um you know I was I was lucky enough to work for one of the best trainers of 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 all time in Nicky Henderson and uh you know, we we'd usually we uh, we usually had about thirty to forty horses running there every year. It's a four it's a four day meeting Tuesday to Friday, um, and you've got championship races, you've got handicaps. But it's for anybody to win one race at the Cheltenham Festival is is a is a dream come true. You know. Yeah, first of all, what what was the name of the bet that that you it, was it something similar to what we call a parlay? Yeah, so what we would call in in, in Europe is, is an, an accumulator. Um, accumulator. So um, you just uh, you know in an accumulator, I, I, I'm not, I suppose, like a parlay. Everything, every horse has to win. Um, um, is that how a parlay works over here? You just keep rolling the money over, right? If you bet yeah. ten to win, right. you get a hundred. Then you bet a hundred to win on that yeah. one, right? That's but, that's that's what you're saying, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now it so, gets good. <laughs> yeah, so you placed fifty pounds on uh, the five yeah. Nikki Henderson runners that week. Yeah, so I, I um I placed the bet in 
December, which which is obviously you know it's a long shot for them to even turn up, let alone let alone win. But um, I was I was at home one one evening and trying to kill a bit of time, and uh, I just went down. And, you know, I, I guess I you know we were very lucky. Uh, you know, Nicky is is always very strongly represented at the Cheltenham Festival, and he's always got a strong team of horses, but that. That um, time, you know, 2010 to, you know, 2012 when I was there and, and, and after I left also. But, you know, those last two years I was there, we had some seriously good horses, some some great horses. And, uh, you know, I just I just placed a, a 50 pound accumulator on what I thought were our best five chances going to Cheltenham um, three months later. And. You know, like I say, you just want them to show up at the races first of all to give yourself a chance. But you know, look, anyone, anyone who bets when you nine times out of ten when you have those kind of bets, you know, you know, you're not getting anything out of it. Um, probably nine and a half times out of ten. So it was, um, yeah, that's that's what happened, and and obviously the the luck the luck hit big that that week. That I didn't know that. That's uh, I know the future wager. Me neither. <laughs> no, I didn't. That, that's like that's similar to betting like before the season, the winners of the Orange Bowl and the and the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and and the Toy Bowl and just the, the bowl. And yeah, that's that's yeah, that's pretty. Uh, spell it out, CC. Spell it out what he what he actually did. <laughs> uh, well, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I didn't hear the question. Sorry. So uh, go ahead and explain what you actually bet and what you actually won. So um, I bet fifty pounds and I won a million pounds. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it, it was. You, know, uh, you would have won more, right? The 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 bet the bet maker or the uh, the, uh, the the book maker capped your winnings at at a million pounds when in reality it probably should have paid like three million pounds or something like yeah, that. Yeah, actually I think I think I was getting plenty of stick for that after that because you know everybody knows that the maximum payout with any bookmaker is a million pounds and you know look I suppose I might have been after a few too many beers that night when I did the bet and I got my I got my calculations on the stake wrong but sure, look I won't uh, I won't complain I won't complain put it I wasn't complaining put it that way. The, Ameri- no. the, the American translation in that CC currency is what seventy five dollars into one point five million dollars, right? Is, is right. Am I right about something that? Like that? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. God so, bless. <laughs> one of the one of those horses that won. I I, I don't know a whole lot about uh, British jump racing, but Sprinter Sacre wasn't that a pretty popular horse at the time? Oh yeah, he was. He was. Um, he was a special horse, and he probably. A lot of people would say he's the greatest of all time, you know. I mean, he's he he was a, an, an unbelievable horse with with serious talent, and the races he won, he um and the way he did it, he was yeah he was he was a very special horse. So yeah, he was that was his novice year over over fences, and um you know we we always thought he was very good from from his from a young horse we didn't think you know we you can't you can't predict a horse it's like kind of like flight line here you know you think they're very good but until they get racing you don't know how good they could actually be you know so um but yeah he was certainly the 
out of the five in there, he was probably the star of the show. And you got to work closely with him? Yeah, um, well, we I worked with all of them, but the one I was probably closely, the more, um, the more, the horse I was closely with the most was, um, or closely related with the most, should I say, was Finian's Rainbow, who won the champion chase. Um, I used to write him out every day, which anyone who knows me now might find it hard to believe that I used to write out, uh, it was, <laughs> it was probably 50 pounds ago, I'll put it that way, but, um, <laughs> You know, to, he was, yeah, I rode him every day and he was, uh, he was a special horse to me and, and to win, for him to win the champion chase on the Wednesday, he was the, I think he was the fourth out of the five to win and, and it, I mean, that was, that was enough for me for, you know, I wasn't, the, anyone, you know, yourself, uh, when you're involved with a horse that wins a big race, that's priceless, you know, um, and uh, when he won that, it was very, very. That was the that was the best part of the week for me, no question. And then the fifth horse was named Riverside Theater. And, yeah, that's correct. And, and now that's kind of the name of your. Uh, would it be your farm or your stable name? Or? Yeah, yeah. Riverside Stables is the is the name, and then Riverside Bloodstock is what we. You know, if I've any horses myself, we run under Riverside Bloodstock. But yeah, that's where that's where that came from. Which, um, you know, that was obviously. Um, the 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 last one was the big one, so that's right. That was uh, yeah, that was great. And and you know he was a horse who, um, and you know it's it's obviously hard for people listening to when they don't know the horse to to understand. But he was a horse who ran very well when he was he ran very well after layoff, put it that way. And when I put him in the bed, he had fractured the pelvis the year before. Whoa. Um, and. He came back in in fantastic nick, and you know the reason I put him in my bet is I was thinking he was going to go straight to the Cheltenham Festival, and he came. His comeback race was actually a month before, and he he put in a scintillating performance, and I kind of you know probably just took the edge off him for Cheltenham, and he looked he looked beat the whole way, but just got up and literally got up in the, the final strides to win. So I was. It was, um, yeah, unbelievable. Wow, fantastic story. So now you won the money and you decided to come back to America. And what was the reasoning behind that? Well, I'd already, you know, a move back here was in the works, had been in the works. My wife is my wife is from here. Um, as much as I'd love to train in Ireland, it just wasn't feasible, you know. Um so you know, I planned on moving back here and and, uh, and to start training here. And obviously, I'd worked for Niall and David for for a little bit, so I had some had some experience of how how it was different over here and everything else. But you know, obviously, nothing nothing can uh, set you up for going out on your own um, when you eventually do. But um, but yeah, that was the we moved back here. Probably September 2012, and and yeah, just started getting a few horses, and then slowly but surely. And right off the bat, you you got a horse named Dimension that turned out to be a really nice uh, stakes winner for you. I think he took took you to the Breeders' Cup Mile. Uh, Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. He, turf he sprint. ran. Uh, yeah, he ran there in 2013. He was fifth, and 2014, I think he was twelfth, but. 
you know, does does turf sprints down the hill in Santa Anita. Um, you know, he was when he was fifth, he was on he was beat three and a half links by misdirection. And okay. when he was twelfth the following year, I think he was only beaten like four and a half links or so. It was something anyway that it felt like he was beaten a mile on the day, but it was it was it wasn't that far at all. But um, right. but yeah, he was a cracking horse. He was he was our flag bearer for a long time and and when you lose you know you when you when you're a small stable and you've a horse like that um it's it's great but when you lose him i tell you what it's a huge uh, it's a huge it's a huge blow try to find another one like him you know right yeah they don't grow on trees that's for sure no no connor i've read an article uh, that you said your 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 master plan was to go back to Ireland at some point, maybe uh, maybe be a jumps trainer or, or in uh, at Cork or you know in in Europe. Is is that still yeah. is that still the plan or, or uh, you've done all right here in in in, uh, in the U.S. Is that uh, what have you changed your mind or is that still the, say, the main target? <laughs> I'd say I've had a lot of master plans over the years. I said <laughs> I haven't gone to plan. So no, I I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say that's the plan. No, I mean I'm I'm settled. Got a wife and kids here. I'm settled here, and you know I would never say never, but I've no intention of going anywhere um, for the foreseeable future. You know. Right. Well, we're glad you're here. Now I'm going to turn it over to Alan, and he's going to talk about uh, your big horse, and then he's got several other uh, uh, questions he wants to ask. Okay. okay. Alan, take it away. Yeah. Hey, Connor. Uh, I'm yeah, glad. CC bought foreign relations, you know, the horse that won the Louisville a, a week and a half ago, because, uh, I'm happy that it's, that it's a good thing your horses are performing a heck of a lot better these days than your Liverpool FC football team, right? Well, uh, I didn't see you, 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 you got me on the blind side there. No, I wasn't expecting that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a rough season now for Liverpool and, uh, yeah, but to look, we, we've got we've got the best manager in the world in Jorgen Klopp, and we 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 will bounce back quick. Don't worry about that. Uh, you know, well, I'm a I'm a huge soccer fan and stuff too, and but I'm also not a soccer fan. I was also wondering because you're from Cork, right? That's right, right yeah. And what well, I was curious about is I know a little bit about hurling too, and I I gotta ask what ha- how did Cork possibly get knocked out of the All Ireland by those Limerick lads this past week? What happened there? I thought you guys knew something about hurling at Cork. Yeah, you're hitting me. You're, that's a double whammy, no, uh, Alan. You're hitting me with, but uh, no, Cork. Listen to, we we had a big performance Sunday, and unfortunately, um, Limerick uh, Limerick are all Ireland champions the last few years, and probably one of the best hurling sides has been there in a while. But uh, Cork, uh, the, the future is bright for Cork as well. We've had a, a rough. A rough ten fifteen years in for car curling, and it's uh, don't worry that, that it's it's on the way back. To, we'll be back to the top soon. I'm sure you will. I don't know the first damn thing about hurling. Okay, <laughs> I don't even know what the hell hurling is. <laughs> I had somebody put me up to that. A friend of yours who rode. I know, uh, Alan. <laughs> uh, you don't need to say any more because as soon as you bought as soon as you bought Liverpool up and followed by car curling, I knew. Uh, I, I know. I have a fair idea who's behind this now. <laughs> yes, uh, you want to tell everybody who was behind it. <laughs> Jeff Mulcahy. Uh, and uh, and Mul- uh, that's one of them. And the, the guy that wrote, your, wrote form relations for you. Oh, Declan. Uh, well, I'll, forg- <laughs> I'll forgive Declan, but uh, Mr. Mulcahy, no, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, you want to be careful of what he says. 
you know, they both got a hold of me like 15 minutes before he came on or whatever. And that, what I want to <laughs> ask you, they said, make sure you, you make sure you ask him this. And I had to make sure I actually wrote it down properly. Usually I go off the cuff, but I don't know what the hell hurling is. Maybe you can tell me or whatever. I had to try to get that well, right. What is Alan, oh. well, before I answer the question, as soon as you brought up car curling, I was going to ask you, did, was did, Jeff, did Jeff Mulcahy put you up to this? But I didn't want to lower the tone of the show. So <laughs> I said I'd be uh, with We don't say. have much of a tone here anyway, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hurling is uh, obviously, it's it's only played in, in Ireland. but it's, uh, it's um, So Gaelic football and hurling is... You know, that's our national sport in Ireland, yes. and that's what we would have grown up playing. Um, and hurling is basically, you get a, bo- a little ball, like a, it's called a slitter, which is, you know, they hit the ball with the hurley, or, or in some parts of Ireland they call it a hurl, but it's a hurley, is what it's really, that's the proper name for it. But, uh, and it, I suppose a lot of Americans that see it, they, they kind of, something, in between lacrosse and I, I don't know what else, field hockey or something, right? something okay. like that. I suppose is what you can you can uh, have it similar to. But it's um it's a very fast sport, and it's uh, like I say. I mean, even people from overseas who get to see it, they they think it's very exciting. So yeah, I'd be Cork is uh, has always been a a big um, hurling county, and you should listen. They they alluded to that to me, and again, I was when Declan first sent that to me, I thought he meant curling because I didn't know what the hell hurling was. So now I know <laughs> hurling is an actual sport. He convinced me. He's telling me that's a lot of fun to watch that I need to watch. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it, it is. And I wasn't I wasn't in a good place no Sunday after after the game to be honest because uh, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to explain without 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 uh, if you don't know the sport, but um. It was a huge game, and and we lost by a single point, which was tough. So, I am sorry. To, I'm sorry I brought it. Well, I don't know if I'm sorry to bring it up, but they, oh, no. <laughs> I, I had to. They made me. They made. Oh me. yeah. <laughs> oh no, better boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so which bigger over there? Is it is it football or soccer or is it hurling? Because now you got me wondering. Well, actually, well, football, football and hurl, Gaelic football and hurling is the national sport, but soccer okay. and rugby is huge. It's huge over there as well. So, I mean, um. You know, there's no there's no shortage of sport in Ireland between those and then horse racing and golf and stuff on top of it. Is, um, there's always there's always something to watch. I, I need to make it a point to get into soccer more. I, I do watch Ted Lasso. That doesn't make me a soccer guy. I don't know what's going on, but I'm I'm going to make it a point to start getting into soccer. I'm 53 years old. It's about time I do it, right? That's sure Ted Lasso is a good start. I know that's a that's a great show. So um, yeah, I'll, the only bit of advice I can give you, Alan, is. Manchester United steer well clear and you'll be all right. I'll keep that in mind. I think I'll start out down here at Loose City and I'll work my way up to the Premier League, right? That's what it's called, Premier League. That's exactly, yeah, yeah. Listen to me. All right, let's get let's get to the big horse foreign relations. Uh, you know, had the big win in the Louisville Handicap or the Louisville Stakes. I'm not sure what it's called these days, but the mile and a half race. And I know a few weeks earlier, foreign relations. I mean, ran an amazing race at Keeneland. Unfortunately, got disqualified due to a little incident with the jockey and stuff. But, you know, there's, this is a game of fate, right? And fate kind of shined on you a couple weeks later in the uh, in the Louisville Handicap. That had to be kind of validating. It had to kind of make up for the, the allowance uh, DQ or what? Oh, it did in a big way, Alan. I mean, he's, um, you know, he, he won. I mean, listen, I know he was disqualified, but he would have been, an impressive winner on the day at Keeneland. And oh, yeah, he was much the best. For someone like, you know, like in a, 
you know, a small stable to the winners of Keeneland are, ha- are very hard to find. Right. But, uh, you know, we, we usually try and get one, one a meet if we can, or at least one a year. Um, and, uh, that was, that was unfortunate. But I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I, there was no, there was no question he, he had to come down on the day, unfortunately. And, uh, um, great consolation last week. I mean, we, I had, I said to the owners, I said, sure, why don't we just, I mean, the, the, the allowance money, as we know, in Kentucky is, the money in general is so good, but the allowance purses are great. And, and I said, um, let's go back and, you know, we keep, we kept our condition. So we went back in an allowance, um, two weeks ago and, and going a mile and three eighths and he drew the 12 all, ah. which I wasn't, um, I wasn't too keen about, um, because the first turn comes up fairly quick when you're going a mile and three eight. So, um, I spoke with the owners and told them, sure, let's, let's, let, I, I, I just didn't have a good, it didn't sit well with me. <clears throat> so I said, let's, um, I'd like to pull him out and just let him take his chance in the Louisville stakes. And I said, look, I suppose my point was if we weren't disqualified at Keeneland, we, we'd be going there anyway, you know. Mm, so, um, so they were, in fairness, they said, go, whatever you think is fine. And, and, and obviously it, uh, it paid off. So it, it was just, it, it was obviously nice to get them to win after what happened in Keeneland, but more, more so it was nice to see that he, he was, um, he was a stakes caliber horse, which we were hoping he would be, you know. Uh, he obviously is. You know, CC and I were talking off air before we came on here, and we remember this horse. Uh, was it Ellis Park CC where he ran like a big second in a maiden race at like a million to one for, I want to say Ed Vaughn. Yeah. Is that correct? Second to Awakened. Second to Awakened. Mile and a quarter in his first start. Yeah, because they run those at Ellis sometimes on the turf. And uh, now, so now you have the horse. How did that come about? So he picked up, um, he picked up a little injury after his Ellis race and, um, you know, I, he he came to me last August, um, and it was kind of it was unclear what the plan was. But um, you know, we've we've got we've got the synthetic track um, at Skylight, so the owner the owner just wanted him training on a synthetic surface, which is fine. And and you know, there was there was kind of things were up in the air, and you know, the closer or the more we got going with him, whatever he he um, he decided to leave him with us and. No, we were obviously very happy now, but you know, at the time we were we were very happy as well. But I, I didn't. Um, it's just taking the horse. I know he's five. Um, it's just taking the horse time to 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 develop. You know, um, mm-hmm. and credit goes to the owners there too for giving him the time. But you know, mentally. And physically as well, he's just, he's, he's a big, he was a big frame of a horse, um, and mentally just a bit babyish, you know, um, so we took him to Turfway and, I mean, uh, on his work alone, not, not that he's slow, but he's just a strong, he's just a resolute galloper and, and he's best, the best part of his works were when he was galloping out, he was only just getting going. So it was clear that, he was going to be a mile and a quarter, mile and a half horse eventually once we could get back in the grass. Now, the problem is there was a mile and a quarter opening night at Turfway and we just didn't have him ready in time for that. Um, 
so he had to run him a couple of times shorter than his ideal. And he he ran good races in fairness to him, um, but he just he, he just wouldn't have the kick for mile and sixteen stuff like that. So um, we finally got him going a mile and a quarter maiden, and, and he won uh, he won won well that night. So it was good good to break his maiden, you know. Yeah, and uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't, because we, the aforementioned marathon man, Declan Cannon himself, we was needling you a little bit before you came on here. Uh, that's your fellow Irishman. Uh, can that guy ride a, a distance horse on a turf or what? Uh, Declan's brilliant, and he's brilliant on this horse as well, because he's, I, I don't want to be repeating myself, but he, he is a bit quirky, this horse. Um, yeah. And he's, he's, uh, he's, I wouldn't say he's a tough ride, but he's not he's not straightforward, put it that way, you know. And Dixon really gets on well with him and he knows what the horse wants and he knows what I want him to do and you know, that's a big thing that's a big thing for a trainer to have a, a rider know how you want the horse ridden, you know. Um mm-hmm. but he's he's uh he's been very good. He you know, he um he couldn't ride him at Keeneland due to a prior commitment so that was that was um that was I mean I I think like Flavian Pratt did absolutely nothing wrong at Keeneland. He gave the horse a brilliant ride and, and, and in, in even in the clipping heels he did nothing wrong. But I feel Declan knowing the horse would have he he'd been more, you know aware more aware of what might happen because you know he doesn't he doesn't do a whole lot in front. Um, you know, when, once he gets there, he just starts looking around. And, um, but he, so it was nice to have him back on in in the race at Churchill last week, and he gave him a brilliant ride. Gave him just rode him with confidence and rode him like the best horse. And and uh, no, it was brilliant. It was brilliant for him as well because he's he obviously had a rough uh, he had a rough time of it there um, eighteen months ago or so, and and. Uh, you know he's back right now. I, I think he's riding better than ever. If I'm being honest, I, I think he's. I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. I, he's always been a brilliant rider, but I think now he's getting on better horses and he's really showing what what a good rider he is. You know. And I'm, you know, the good thing is I'm glad you're saying all this because I can guarantee you he's listening after he put me up to that earlier. So well, I, I, I should, I should, after after what he said, I should actually be, I shouldn't be um, speaking so highly of him after what he said. Yeah, I'm replacing <laughs> you with an apprentice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but he's We're um, just kidding, Declan. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's definitely um, he's a vital part to, to to this horse anyway, you know. So you know, uh, one more. Um, the horse that you've had that a lot of people don't know about who's an underrated horse, underrated at uh, the distance turf horse. I think you won a Kentucky Downs with him. I had Julie Burke on you. We had Julie Burke on a long time. Sunny one. Am I right about that? Yeah, she was a star. She was the star for us last year. Um, uh, the good horse, underrated horse. Yeah, she was, she was a cracking filly because she's, um, you know, she, she won two alongs at Keenan last year and she, she just missed out and uh, she was, Fifth in that stake in Kentucky Downs, and then she was fourth in the stake at Churchill. But just, just uh, had a small setback over the winter, and she's she's back, um, she's back training again and doing great. So fingers crossed, she'll be out um, maybe Kentucky Downs or, or possibly Keeneland in the fall. 
I will definitely be watching for that horse. That horse runs well at Keeneland, runs well at Kentucky Downs. Really underrated horse. I'm, I'm happy. I was hope. I thought you might say she's retired, but I'm glad to see that she's still racing. Oh, thank, thankfully not. <laughs> I like I said, it's it's nice to you know when you've got ones that can run. It's um yeah, it's nice. It's nice to to still have them. But she's 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 likely raced as well. I mean. I can't um off the top of my head I don't know how many stats she had, but I don't think I don't think it's a whole pile we've we've kinda of looked after her and I think she's you know, I couldn't have I couldn't have foreseen the improvement she made from three to four, but really? uh, I think I think she may be better again, fingers crossed. One one last thing before I kick over to Brandon so he can get a little crack at you real quick. Uh, off topic, what the hell is soda bread? Oh, soda bread, brown bread, like, uh, I suppose. Soda, what is it, what, why is it called soda bread? Oh, I don't know. You tell me we call it brown bread in Ireland. So brown bread. It's good though, yeah. right? Oh, serious, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ought to be, uh, you should go in there to Molly Malone's in, um, in the Highlands, Baxter yes. Avenue. They've got serious brown bread, yeah, yeah. I will ask, I've been to Molly Malone's a couple of times, but I've never had that, so I will make sure to knock that out, but it looked good. Yeah. It looks good on online, so I'll kick it over to Brandon. Very good. Appreciate the stories and uh, just the the horses and kind of who's in your barn, but can you tell us a little bit more about, like, who you're currently training? Maybe if you have any new two-year-olds that have reached the barn just yet or uh, or just Um, what you have up and coming. I think the the, probably the, you know, along with with foreign relations, and Sonny won, but I, I have a horse called Dark Shift who's very, very exciting. And he, um, we, he won in Royal, he won in Royal Ascot last year and we bought him and he came over, he came over, we were, we were trying to get a deal done actually before the Woodbine Mile and we just didn't get it done in time. And then he was, um, he was an also eligible in the Kentucky or the Keeneland Turf Mile or Coolmore Turf Mile as it's called now. So, it was a bit of a mess, and we ended up just giving him a run in, in an allowance at Keeneland. And he, he didn't. Um, he ran fifth, but he never. I mean, he never even got into the race. He was he was out the back and ran a bit fresh. And so then uh, he went to Santa Anita in February. <clears throat> he ran the Thunder Road and just got beat. Um, finished fourth, I think he was, but he was only he was only he only gave in the last fifty yards, but. Um, but he's he's a serious, exciting horse that um he picked up a little quarter crack after that race that just kinda of set us back a a couple of months. But um I would like to think that come come the fall uh, at at the latest we'll you'll you'll see him because he's he's um he's very good. Great. Well uh, how many are in your barn right now at Skylight? I guess uh, I got about twenty at the moment. I uh, to, I suppose the other day I, I ran a couple of decent. Um, or I I think they're okay in maidens over the weekend. Uh, one by Oscar Performance and the other filly. She she'll actually when she stretches out to a mile and a half, I think she'll be all right. But um, I got a few other. I got a few other young horses as well that I don't have many two year olds if I'm being honest. Um but it's uh you know if you can get the likes of if you can keep if, if we can keep the likes of 
shift formulations and uh, and hopefully Sonny won't get back and keep them on the right track and keep us um keep us motoring and be great and, and hopefully a few more will come along after them, you know. Yeah. So just kind of switching gears, you know, with since we're a Kentucky horse racing podcast, you know, out of other states and even now that you have experience in other countries obviously, what makes Kentucky different? Well, I would consider Kentucky the I would consider Kentucky the best in in the U.S. Now, a lot of people might say New York or, or somewhere else. I don't know, but I think Kentucky is I think Kentucky is the fairest, and I think it's um you know for 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 someone like me coming from Ireland, I think it's Kentucky to live in is very similar to Ireland. Um. And it's got a it's got a laid back, you know, way of going, and it's um, yeah, I I would I would say as regards racing, I think it's the best in the country. Um, gets plenty of gets plenty of uh, you know, gets plenty of stick for for different reasons, but I mean, who doesn't? I mean, Irish and English racing and French racing gets plenty of stick for different reasons as well. So no matter what. No matter where you are, you're going to be, you're not going to, you know, you're not, everyone's not going to be happy no matter where you are. And, um, I mean, everybody that's in horse racing loves horse racing and, and loves horses for, I would say, most of them, the majority of the people in this industry love horses so much that, you know, if, if, if they need something themselves or if their horse needs something, the horse will get it first. That's the way it is, you know. Whereas you've got people who have no interest in horse racing and hate horse racing and want to go on. If they need to get, if they're, they're, <clears throat> and I don't mean to be controversial, but uh, they, they're, they care for the horses so much if they need something or if a horse needs something, I know what they'd be getting first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I tell you, you know, my preferred surface to watch horse racing, you know, probably unlike most, is, is turf. How, how do you like the, I mean, do you prefer the turf over the dirt here at Churchill? Oh, yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'd, Turf would be my favourite. I mean, I, I like dirt racing, and, and I don't get many dirt horses because, um, people, you know, I I I run ninety ninety five percent of my stable is turf, and maybe I don't know. That's the way you know people don't want to send dirt horses, whatever, which is fine. But uh, I would um, oh yeah, I enjoy running dirt horses, but there's no running, there's no question. I think turf racing is for me. It's more exciting and. I think I think horses come out of tough races better as well for the most part. Um, and uh yeah, it's 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 definitely it's grown it's grown in the I mean, when I first moved over here in two thousand and six it was you know, there was plenty of turf racing, but I, I feel it's grown a lot since then. Um, and I think the quality of turf horses in the country is has 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 grown a lot as well. Yeah, so I mean, has Churchill's turf gotten better this season versus obviously last season when it was in a very successful launch? Do you feel like it's coming around now? Yeah, I, I I think everyone is. I've been very happy with the horses I've run there, and I think it's 
I haven't heard anything bad about it this year, and I think um, it looks great. The horses are, I think the races are very fair, very exciting, and they're 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 coming out of their races really well. So I've I'm actually I'm thrilled to be thrilled to bits with it actually, if I'm being honest. How because uh, there was always a, a bit of a question mark coming into the spring meet, but um. It's been, I think it's been great, and we've we've had obviously a very dry spring and, and early summer, and that's then. Um, I don't know. I can't tell you whether that's good or bad for for the for the roots or for the surface itself, but I know, um, they've been they've been running more because of the dry weather, and they've it, it's handling is great, so it's I think it's all positive. Yeah, well, everybody you know that listens to this podcast is going to hear from. From you first, so not you know a trainer that loves the turf has a lot of turf horses that hopefully we can put the turf discussion to bed because it didn't get a good a good start I think on opening week but other than that I haven't seen any any issues since then and yeah and I, I don't and an opening week you know I I I can't comment on that uh, but that might have been just one of those things unfortunately but I mean it's right. the same as my horse it's the same as my horse Akeen and um, Clipping heels with the, the the other poor horse, and it's it's just one of those things. But uh, I think um, no, I I think it, the Churchill Turf Course is in is I would say it's in fantastic nick anyway. Good, good. Well, I'm gonna turn it back to our friend CC here. Connor, just one more question: Do they have fried chicken in Ireland? <laughs> Probably not not as good as the fried chicken you get here. <laughs> nice. You like it? You like it here? You like this I fried do. food we we serve here in the south? I do. Yeah, you only need to take one look at me to see that I like the fried food. But is that uh, no? The fried chicken here is um, the fried chicken here is is a lot better than the fried chicken you get in Ireland. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, seriously, last question for me. Uh, uh, going back to foreign relations, is, is you think maybe he's a Breeders' Cup type of horse? Uh, you know, you, you, you dream, you, that's a dream, I think, um, and you have to dream in this game, obviously. Um, I would say, uh, I think he's, if he keeps on the up, on an upward curve that he's on right now, I think, um, the sky's the limit for him because, you know, this, the thing about him at the moment is he doesn't even know, he doesn't, he's, he's, he won that race last Saturday. With a bit up his sleeve, and there's still plenty. Um, I, th- I think there's still plenty more to come with him, and if we can hopefully keep keep winning with him, and obviously the we'd be going into deeper waters at some stage. But um, you know, I, I think that that's the most exciting part about him is that he's he's winning these races with with so much up his sleeve we i think there's plenty more improvement in him you know well, we've got our eye on him we, we've always thought a lot of this horse and uh looking forward to see what he can do when when he finally figures things out uh but uh connor uh, we, we're so grateful that you decided to join us and uh, we wish you uh great success going forward and uh and we'd love to have you back on when uh, foreign relations wins a grade one that, oh yes, that that'd be that'd be great, Josh. For listen, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's great, always great to listen to him. For um, yeah, thank you, and hopefully we'll speak again at some stage.
Connor Murphy. I tell you what, I think you could you could bring just about any Irish guy over here, and they're gonna they're gonna find their way to the winner's circle. And, and sometimes in a stakes race here in Kentucky. Yeah, it's good to see these guys succeed. And what about his his bet? We we probably didn't touch enough on that. Actually, he he turned seventy five American dollars into one point five million American dollars by betting a five horse future wager parlay where they all had to make the races and they all had to win like three months out. And that, I think they're like eight to one, 14 to one. They were, they were these weren't heavy favorites, right? It's that's why it's like picking the winner of the orange bowl, the fiesta bowl, the sugar bowl and the masters. And, yeah. And the masters six months ahead or three months, three months ahead of time. <laughs> you don't even know who's going to be in the games. And, and I'm guessing I was, I wanted to ask and I maybe a, do you get a consolation if you only get if you only get four out of five? I'm sure you don't. I'm, that's I'd say probably God yeah. Almighty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You don't is, get consolations at pick five either. The Churchill drives you nuts. Well, and then I, I'm also thinking that you know you hate to say it, but in part as my dog is howling out there, but I want to get this point across is I'm thinking to hit that for seventy five dollars, one point five million, as you kind of alluded to, Cece, it's kind of an underlay. If, if 1.5 million can be an underlay, right? Well, he he thought it was 64,000. Well, I read that in an article. He, he calculated the odds of, at 64,001. He bet 50 pounds. So what is that? Three million plus three million plus is really what he should have won. But I think yeah. the average, yeah, I think the average was like 11 to one on those horses. Those that's that's three months out. They have to get to the races first. They have to make the races, the individual races, and then they have to win. I mean, and there's probably 20 horses in each race doing jumps. <laughs> and you all know how long those go. I mean, it's incredible. I, I mean, it's, it's just not even possible. But, yeah. you know, it's like getting struck by lightning and bit by a shark. And, oh, amazing. That's like, uh, yeah, I mean, just, you got to think it's meant to be. It's like, yeah. that's a lot <laughs> of pressure. What am I going to do with my life now? And he, but he did something. And he did something well. He came to the states. He started a great career as a trainer, and it's paying off. So you know, you think about when people get good fortune instead of just squandering it, right? They they invest in themselves. So it's it's good to see. All right. right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, he's 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 doing he's doing the right thing right now. So he's on the right track, and he's 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 seems like a pretty good guy. So I got a feeling he's he's got a, a lot more in the pipeline. Go cork. <laughs> All right. Uh, real quick before we get into the topic du jour, uh, JJ Hysel retweeted something about Cody's wish. Good news about Cody's wish. The Dormans, which is uh, Cody's parents, the Dormans say they've been approached by some movie producers in a book about Cody and his bond with the horses in the works. So that's, that's awesome. Pretty cool. I hope. Uh, well, Damon Thayer played Bill Mott. That, that's, there you go. Great answer. I like that. Um, That'd be know, that's good casting. Put who that out there for Damon. Who would play Sheikh Mohammed? Uh, Sheikh Mohammed. Uh, uh, what's uh, Andy Garcia? Randy Jaggers would play Sheikh Mohammed. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thanks. We were talking about the Ted Lasso a moment ago. The guy that plays Roy Roy on Ted Lasso. I've never seen that. I can't think of what his name is in real life, but he'd be good. But, uh, It'd be good for racing to have a bit of a feel-good story out in the public right now, right? Probably. What, what was the best? What was the best racing movie you've ever seen? Oh, you know it's cliche, but it'd be Sea Biscuit. Sea Biscuit's the best. Yeah, no doubt. Sea Biscuit's my favorite. Uh, I, I need to see 
let it ride again. It's been forever since I've seen hey, it. Hey, you know what? I had ne- this is going to be sacrilege, but I had never seen Let It Ride. Me and my wife sat down to watch it. I found it on some streaming thing about three months ago. I had to turn it off. I, I couldn't take it. I thought it was awful. Was it? I mean, I, it's been probably 30 years since I've seen it. Or more. It's David. I thought everybody was acting like cliched idiots. I mean, I know I'm going to catch. I, as you know, I don't care anything about horse racing, too. I could care less about that. I did not care for it. I had to turn it off. I thought it was, I thought it was stupid. Outside of Jennifer Tilly being hot as hell. That's about it. <laughs> I hated I hated Secretariat. I hated Secretariat. I hated that movie. I liked Diane Lane, but I thought that was generic Disney generic Disney cheap low budget kind of deal. And uh what about racing stripes? The oh. Zebra <laughs> and the Dreamer. Oh, I'll give you a good one. I'm gonna give you a good one. Most lots of people don't know, back from the eighties. Uh the long shot with uh the great Jonathan Winters and Harvey Corman and Tim Conway. I don't remember much about it now, but I remember I laughed my ass off. So maybe check out the long shot with those guys. There's there's huh. another hot to try. John Candy was in that. That was and uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. That was pretty bad. Sounds that sounds familiar. All right, what do you got? All right, all right. So as we all know, the industry is under fire, unfortunately, and so it's something we don't want to talk about on this podcast. We, I don't prefer not to, but go ahead. Yeah, but there's been a lot of a rash of breakdowns at Churchill Downs. Uh, and it started probably Derby Week and it's kind of led up to over the weekend. Uh, I think we've lost 12. And some, right some have been on dirt, some have been on turf. And now Heiser is involved. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know if I can see a way that this doesn't get messy at some point. Uh, because, you know, weight's going to be thrown around. Uh, politics is going to be involved. I, just, I, I think the, the game, the game, in my opinion, probably it, I, I don't I don't care for highs at all. I don't I don't like any government intervention in the sport. I think that's uh, I think there's too much government intervention. But on the other hand, uh, you know, there's no there's no government intervention in any, any other sport, baseball or hockey, basketball, football. I know of. My question to you all is: Can you right, name name the head of uh, any of those sports? Uh, football, or pro football, pro basketball, pro hockey, or pro baseball? Can you Roger, name? Them? Yeah, Roger Goodall, NFL, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Who else? Uh, hockey's Silver. Bat- Gary Bettman's is hockey, and then Nate Silver is the head of. Uh, uh, NHL. I don't know who's the head of baseball now. I could name Nate all. Nate Silver's the NBA. Nate Silver's NBA, but yeah. Nate, Sil- Nate Silver's the head of the NBA. Yeah. Who's okay. who's the head of horse racing? Who's who do you go to when something something? Good point. Goes- I, there, there's nobody. Everybody's an independent jurisdiction. It's a What's that? Hissa has a female. I don't. I don't know her name. It's a, it's it's a head of Lisa Lazarus. That's the head of Lisa is the head of Heisa, but she is not. He's saying who's the commissioner of horse racing, essentially. Oh, the total overseer, yeah. No. When, when you have breakdowns like this, when you have a rash of breakdowns, who do you go see? Who do you yeah. talk to? Right. Do you talk to uh, Bill Kerstangen, the head of Churchill? He doesn't know anything about horse racing. He he doesn't know about horses or, or, or you know, the uh, skeletal system or anything like that or, or the consistency of the track. All he knows about is numbers and how to make money. Uh, you know, you, or you, you always say Keeneland is – is one of the leaders of the sport, but that Keelan doesn't have anything to do with Churchill services. Right. It's the game, in my opinion, needs to be torn down and rebuilt. Really? 
Yeah, it's it, we operate under an antiquated system. All of the racetracks are essentially against each other. All the racetrack companies are, are competing against each other instead of competing with, excuse me, aligning themselves with other racetracks and competing against other forms of gaming. Right. You know, I mean, we see it all the time. We just, for instance, I, I could dream of a, of a, a day when uh, the Americans operate their racetracks like the Australians do, where they don't race on top of each other. And, you know, we'll have, if, if we have 12 racetracks running here in, in the U.S. all at the same time, you'll have three or four uh, running at the same time, three of the, three or four of the big ones running at the same time. They, they operate without any regard. And sometimes the, the, the racetrack companies that own several tracks that run, they'll, they'll run on top of their own racetracks, which is uh, ridiculous if you think about it. But I, I'm, I'm, I don't think you're ever going to find any, reason or any rational reason why these breakdowns occurred other than some were freak some may be uh drug related some may be uh, it, it, some may be racetrack related but i think there are things that they could do to maybe lessen uh lessen the pressure on horsemen to to race an unsound horse uh, if you if you look at uh, at Churchill, the, the horses. I mean, that having a stable on the Churchill backstretch, that's like a gold mine. Right. Have, getting stalls. That's that's the holy grail of racing here in Kentucky. And if you don't race your horses, then you're going to lose your stalls. So right. you got you got twelve stalls, and, and, and you know you maybe maybe you pull off seven starts, you're probably going to lose some stalls. And that's that's the name of the game. I think that puts Undue pressure on horsemen, in my opinion. Fair point. Very fair. Yes. To to race unsound horses, I, I, you know. And they, what what are the horsemen going to do? They got to they got to run an unsound horse. I'm not pointing fingers because I don't know, but it's that's part of it. Uh, you run an unsound horse, and you know you take your chances. You cross your fingers, and uh, and and hope the horse comes back sound or you know alive. And, you know, and, and then you get to keep your stalls. But if, if, you know, God forbid they take away your stalls, you got to go somewhere else and that's going to kill your business. So that's uh, the first thing you would do is what you're saying, right? You would... Well, I don't know what the, what the answer though is. More, more stalls. Um, I mean, you're going to tear down some houses around Churchill and build more stalls. That's really not feasible. I mean, those houses around Churchill now are selling for like 350 a piece. Those uh, houses? Wow. Aren't they? Uh, Brandon, I yeah. can speak to that. That's- oh yeah, they took. They went through just to expand that parking lot. They bought up more houses. I know a guy. That I know a guy sold a, money. a sixplex there behind. Behind, I think it's now where the uh, the detention barns are. They sold a sixplex. It was in bad shape. They sold it for over a million dollars. So you know that's. But I don't like. I said I don't know what the. the uh, more stalls and more, uh, uh, you know, in proximity to the, to the racetrack would be a, a what we would need, what we could use is a really big training center, maybe in Frankfurt or near Frankfurt, and with you know maybe three or four hundred stalls, maybe that would help alleviate some of that pressure. But uh, two, I would reduce the number of claiming races. I think uh, I think claiming races leave a bad taste in a lot of owners' mouths, a lot of new owners, a lot of new owners without deep pockets. Uh, 
I, a friend of mine uh, through Michelle Lovell claimed a, uh, a filly back at Fairgrounds in January, and poor filly looked awful. And she, by all accounts, what Michelle said that the, the poor filly just and she looked awful, and she just needed time for Michelle. Or, you know, Michelle finally got her back in racing condition to come back. She didn't race again until Keeneland in April. Uh, my friend never even got to see the horse in person prior to the race because I mean she was in uh, she was at Fairgrounds up until the beginning of April, uh, and they entered for a starter twenty. The horse uh, the race did not fill. They entered for a starter thirty. The race did not fill. Finally settled on a fifty thousand dollar claimer after they claimed the horse for thirty. They entered for fifty, going seven furlongs, a distance that she didn't really want to go, but there was no choices. He had to get a race in. And the horse runs, and she comes in fifth, and and she gets claimed for fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. I mean, he he was okay with making a little profit, but after training bills and all that, all he wanted to do was win a race. And uh, you know, he had to give the horse away for fifty, and it, it kind of left the bat. I mean, he he's trying to reclaim a horse now. Can't I mean? There's so much demand for horses, he can't get. You know, you're. You find a horse you like, you're out shaking, trying to out shake 10 or 12 people to get the horse. And, uh, you know, it's just, he's, he's ready to give up. So, you know, I, I think you reduce the number of claiming races. Uh, you get the guys with deep pockets out of your barn that want to claim a horse every time you run. You know, you try to run a horse where it's competitive and somebody's going to claim him and then they're going to, they're going to, Run the horse and run the horse and break them down eventually. You know the the, the bad the bad trainers. Not naming any names. I think you could go to a handicap system. Uh, maybe maybe a, a system where you can run a buyer of a, if you if you cross a buyer of seventy that gets you into a certain plateau of, of races that you have to compete. Maybe something like that. Or, or if you if you want to drop down to a class where horses haven't run a buyer of seventy. Then you have to carry a, a, an extra impound, maybe 10, 10 pounds more or something like that. Uh, that's what kind of what they do in Australia. And then have sales, have sales at the end of the, end of the, every month or at the end of every meet where, you know, if you're looking for a horse, you can find one at this auction rather hmm. than to go claim the horse. Hmm. Uh, you put some thought into this more so than I have. The only one I would maybe have a pause with is the, the buyer. Stipulation: Someone could stiff their horses to keep them from running faster yeah. than the easier company. That could easily happen. But I, I like the fact that you're thinking outside the box, right? So there's a lot of reactionary uh, takes on this issue. I, I I hesitate to even give takes because, uh, and I as you know, I you hate using the word take. I despise that. So pardon me for saying it. But I don't know the answer. I don't know what's going on. So I, I hate speaking out of my ass like. 98% of people on social media like to do. There's, like you said, there is a probably the most logical explanation is there's a wide variety of reasons this is happening. I think you mentioned all the possible abilities. Uh, that's just something needs to be done, right? I mean, we can't pretend that it doesn't, but, uh, do I have the answers? Do, do I know what happened? No, but I do like the fact you're thinking outside the box. Well, there's a lack of transparency too. And I made a note here that, that, has led to the rise of Mr. Swift Hitter, who is maybe the most popular Twitter account in horse racing. And maybe, maybe to you, but okay, go ahead. Keep I going. mean, it's the truth. I mean, it, he, uh, I kind of find his, his, his game a little bit, uh, entertaining. I like, I, and, and he breaks a lot of news that 
there's no other reporter in the game that comes close to breaking what he does. And no, and, and, you know, I'm talking about drug positives. Uh, he hears when horses are live. There, there is no reporter in the game that would, but, that would broach the issues that he, and, and, and I'm not saying that he's good at it by any stretch. Well, yeah, but they, a reporter has to be right though. And well, they used to be not anymore in this world, but a reporter has to be right. He doesn't, correct? I mean, right. That's, you're right. reporting these speculations. I don't, I don't get into that stuff, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm following you so far. I don't follow him, but I'm following you so far. I mean, I mean anybody can spout out any rumor or just silly tip that they have, right? So, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll keep listening. Go ahead. <laughs> but the point is, there's, there's no transparency. There's no, right. there's nobody that reports on anything, and that, you know, what that does when there's no transparency, that leaves the rest of us to, to guess. And that's yes. what we're doing right now. We're trying to fix the game in our little podcast, and it's you know, and it's not going to work. No, but I like your ideas, though. I do like your ideas. Anyway, I, yeah. I, the other note, I think, I think you sh- we should start rewarding uh, horsemen, like uh, route races. Uh, I think, uh, I think the breed is is they're basically breeding horses to breed them. Right. And. There's, that's a big business. That's the bigger business than uh, even though with the, with the expand the exaggerated purses we're having here, you know, a horse will run five or six times. He'll go to stud, fifty thousand dollars a mare. They'll they'll syndicate the horse fifty thousand dollars a share, or whatever, and uh, and then they go buy more unsound horses at at the auction. And it's just a it's a cycle. And I think uh, you do away with that. I think you uh, reduce the number of sprints or. Or reward horses that can go two turns. More and, money? Or I mean, when we do that, and generally speaking, there's more yeah. money for good route horses. If, so, if, your, purse, if your average purse is $100,000, let's, uh, let's do 65000 for sprints and 130000 for route races. So let me ask you this. Could that not lead to people running, trying route races who shouldn't be trying them? Well, yeah. we'll find out who the good horsemen are. I mean, if you're, we're, Neil oh, has for example, Neil Howard has forgotten more than all of these trainers today know. He trained a Preakness winner, and he's trained a horse of the year, and he's trained all kinds of stakes winners in between. And nobody will ever give him a chance. Now, he's taking a, an assistance job for somebody. Insanity. You're, you're right, insanity. In, a real, in the real world, he should have all the horses, like a, like a Roger Atfield type, you know, in Canada. Uh, I mean, he's kind of in the same boat. You don't hear his name anymore, but uh, Adfield trained a slew of horses in Canada not not more than ten years ago. He was he was the man in in Toronto. But Neil Howard, those guys, Jinx Fires, those guys should be getting all the horses, and then the young guys should be learning from them. Instead, That's we've a got point. we've got guys in their thirties that are dominating the sport in their in their thirties and their forties, and you know that's that's. That's backwards from the way it should be. And what, what does a guy in his thirties know more than a, than a guy that's trained all his life in his sixties? You're right. We shouldn't we shouldn't automatically dismiss what some of those thirty year old guys are doing because they they may just be that good. I I, I never like people just making and not you obviously just blanket statements like this guy's successful he has to be cheating. That is how would you like someone? I would not if people who do that. How would you like people to make assumptions about you, about, you know, that that you're doing something bad just because 
that you appear to be successful or whatever. So I never like when people just automatically jump the gun because those same people will jump the gun on these people will bend over backwards, hoping that the horse that, uh, that they have in that day is there's, they've given them something so they can win some money. I consider, I consider a lot of the gamblers, the horse players, hypocrites in that regard. They'll, they'll badmouth them. They'll badmouth these guys and they'll say they cheat, but they will line up to single their horse at six to five. And so that's like, it's okay if they're cheating on that day. That's what I don't like. I mean, if you're going to make a stand and you make a stand and I've said this before, right? Um, so I agree with you. I, I agree that the older guys, the Neil Howards, who's the other guy you just mentioned, the Jinx Fires. And, and it did make me think that some of the older guys, some of the older horsemen don't, aren't, there aren't that many at Churchill like there used to be, right? There's those names that you always knew. So that's a good point. That's yeah. the other one. I hadn't thought about that as much, whatever, but I just, I'm never anxious. I'm never really keen about people making bold accusations. Uh, and you see it all the time about people that they're cheating just because they're, now we know some people are, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But I, it was, eh, this, this guy, he's, he's successful. Maybe he's just getting the best horses. Now he's, how he built himself up to that level, I don't know. I mean, who, who knows? But, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the way I, I see it. Whatever. Again, I, I hate I hate commenting on this stuff because I don't I, I never like commenting on things that I that I don't sincerely know the answers to or whatever. I think you have a pretty good I think you've had a pretty good outline uh, with some of the, the thoughts you've had though. Well, my last point, one of the unfortunately one of the horses that broke down was the, uh, a mare named Kimberly Dream. Yeah, that is sad. That's that is one of the saddest of them all. And from all accounts, the trainer I don't know the trainer. I've done, I've never met him. Freddie Winston, old dude. He loved that mare. Only horse. And, and, you know, that was his only horse. And she got good a couple years ago. She oh, she won, she won one. several races at that level. A lot of starters yeah. and stuff. And she's been in and out of form. Uh, my concern and, and, and guy, my neighbor who doesn't know anything about horse racing, he, I just got off the phone with him. Talk, we, were, we were talking about fishing. Uh, and, and he said, even he pointed out that that mare was seven years old. And I was like, well, you know, they they can race up until they're ten or eleven. You know, I've seen them seen them do that. And and my my concern is that the sport's going to crack down on these guys like Mr. Winston, and we're just going to assume that he didn't know what he was doing or he was being cruel to the sport just because he doesn't have any success at that at, at this level. And and the guys that you know that we've been championing championing okay. that word. I, I got your point. The, the guys we've supported in, over, in this podcast, over 145 episodes, they're going to get rooted out of the industry again, more more so than they are now. And uh, you know, I I just they're going to like well going back to Neil Howard when when and this is awful to say, but when Neil Howard enters a horse and you're handicapping the race, he's he's automatic toss, not not because right. Know, the, I know I see your I know what you're saying. I'm, I'm trying to tiptoe, but the general consensus would be, well, he doesn't know how to train like these other guys do. When actually he's not getting the stock that he used to, right, overall? And he's, yeah, and, you know, like, yeah, like you said, and, and he trains probably a different way. He, he brings them along slowly, and and you're right, he doesn't get the lanes in stock that he used to. And, you know, it's 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 actually the inverse of reality because he, he knows more than any any trainer on the backside. But you know what? You make a, you, I want to touch on your point there for a second. That's an excellent point. And you, in that, 
handy again the handicappers who like to champion they're always the horse players they always know everything right and they'll yeah. say they support those same guys that you're talking about right there the buff bradleys and neil howards blah 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 those same guys you'll hear them on you know, they'll be talking it's like he never wins a race i'm not playing him he never wins a race i'm not playing him he never she never wins a race i'm playing him. so they'll say one thing and then their wallet will do another that may be right you know but that that is true that is true and but uh, so are you saying you got to give those guys the patience too to let them do what they need to do they know what they're doing right but right. Uh, their owners the owners may not uh may not have that patience when you when you can win right off the bat right when Wesley yeah. can win for you at, at two years old, when Wesley can win for you in uh, April of a two-year-old year, it's immediate success, right? Right. There's a lot of factors. There is a lot of factors that I don't pretend to know all of them, too, right? I have some ideas. I don't. Again, I'm not. A, I'm not a horseman. I'm not an expert. Uh, I'll never pretend to be an expert. Those are the worst types of people. But I do think you put out some good points. I really do. I think the track pressure is, a, is enough. It's too much. I think the condition book needs to change. I mean, I, I still think in a lot of ways to model a little bit after Turfway. I mean, they seem to write the right condition. The synthetic track opens it up to both dirt and turf horses. Great, you know, granted, I think at the, the form when they come out of there is more to the turf, but, uh, and then the condition book, when you're writing these races, make them put, you know, there's those lockout periods that if you claim a horse, you can't claim a certain horse, you know, in a race if it's running for a claiming tag of 20,000, uh, because it was just claimed last time. Or, you know, what do they call that jail? Claiming jail? Keep those horses in jail to keep them there. Maybe running similar levels or, you know, like I've seen, I think Keeneland ran them one time. It was like, uh, made in special way two year olds for, that were purchased for 45,000 or less. At well, they all, Churchill does that now. Ellis does that. Uh, Keelan does that. That's actually Churchill pretty popular. Too much, but I saw a lot of it. I felt like at Keeneland. I haven't seen that condition. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't totally been paying attention, but you know, just those, little, but Turf I don't play. know. Games evolved. It's a business. I mean, it is a serious business. And wow, do horses keep getting hurt? I don't have the answers for it either. You know, some of these horses running. One of the trainers or the trainers are looking to put a claim on. They avoid them because the horses look so bad. You know, so if a trainer can tell that they look so bad walking over, why can't a vet? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I again, I, I don't like saying this vet doesn't know. I mean, they know what they're doing. I, I, I hate making assumptions about everybody is, is cheating and, and they don't know what they're doing and stuff because I don't know. I don't know enough about to know that stuff. I know a lot of people don't have, have, have that problem. They'll just spell off whatever they come off with. I, I trust the vets. I know there's some scrupulous vets. I just don't, I just don't know the, the inner workings that well. So, um, but to CC's credit, he has come up with some outside the box ideas. That I think, you know, maybe somebody should listen to him. Right, CC? You're always right, right? See, we've got guys like Eric Crawford is chiming in, and I, I, Eric Crawford is, uh, I agree with 90, probably 7.5% of everything he writes about. He's very thoughtful. He's, he's, he's good at what he does, but he, you know, I mean, he's like all the rest of them. He doesn't know anything about horse racing. And when you, oh, you can tell the ones that don't, you can tell the ones that don't know anything. And you know, he, the, the problem is there's nobody there to educate these people, educate the, the, the reporters or, or the fans. And, you know, I mean, I, 
I've been doing this all my life, and I don't know anything. I don't know as much as I should, I, I suppose. And, uh, you know, I don't know the inner workings of, of a racetrack, but, you know, there's, there is absolutely no resource that these people can go to and, uh, and get these questions answered. And so Oops. then you go, then you go to people like, you know, then you, then you, I don't know, I, I, I digress, but, uh, we'll nominate you. Why don't you take over? That's, that's, that would be the problem. That would be the problem. I don't. I don't know. There's got to be somebody out there that, that, that the industry could could go to in times like this, and have the questions answered. Neil Howard, you just you just had the answer. Yeah. Neil Howard, Buff I, I Bradley. Wants, I think he wants to be a horse trainer. I don't think he wants to. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't blame him there. I can imagine. But anything else? I don't know. It's, it's, we beat that to death. I don't know. I, I don't think we made any. Uh, we made any progress, but. It's a touchy subject that I, that I just don't feel comfortable talking about, but I will readily acknowledge that obviously something is amiss, but I also believe you don't be, you don't be reactionary. You don't be. Re- that's, uh, that's another thing. I, I'm, a, I'm afraid that there's going to be a knee jerk reaction. Either A, well, Churchill, we're going to close you down early. We're going to close racing down early and then go straight to Ellis or, or Colonial. Or they do like California did back a few years ago, and they they man, uh, mandated all the racetracks switch to synthetic surfaces, which lasted seven or eight years. Maybe you know, what? and I don't want to cut you off there, but uh, our our friend um, Connor made the we brain asked about the turf course something something that got overshadowed in all this. Remember going into the meet, going into the year, Churchill's turf course was garbage, blah blah blah, and we haven't talked about Churchill's turf course because. And it's just, you know, we've completely forgot about that. That turf course has been good, right? I know there was one problem, but I don't, it obviously it was not turf related. So we've actually forgotten that that was the issue coming in, right? And that's been good. Uh, you know, I, I don't know to what extent. I, I honestly do believe, unlike some people, Churchill's doing everything they can to get this thing solved. And I do believe they're sincere about it. Are, are they, are they kind of business hungry? Yes, of course they are. They're like a lot of businesses and they don't pay me. But I honestly believe that I know a lot of the people out there, those people want to get this solved. I can promise you that I'm not going to make these blanket statements that everybody's evil and stuff. Right. That everybody that I know wants that stuff solved. I can assure you that. Right. I'm not going to say everybody feels that way. Well, yeah, not everybody, but you know what I mean? The The majority of the major racetrack, a lot of the major racetracks in this country are controlled by casino companies. Right, that view racing as a necessary evil. The and people that I, we know. I'm talking about the people that we know, right? Well, they, I'm sure. I'm, I'm thinking of like the the, the uh, Penn Nationals and the parks. Oh yeah, uh, the world. They're they're probably inviting Heights to come in and be like, hey, you might want to check this out. We probably we may need to shut down racing. I'm not saying that might not be a possibility. Yeah, and uh, you know, they, if they could get rid of the racing element, then uh, then that you know that I think they would be a whole lot happier. And, uh, cause that, that, those slots, that's, uh, that's a high margin. Yeah, high margin. I tell you though, with the, the full count keep dropping year over year, that the space gets more and more competitive. You got these purses being fueled by slot machines. I, you know, it's not on a good trajectory and I don't know how it's going to change, but I, I, it's not promising. I say it all the time. This is just a hobby. Me, I could walk away tomorrow and make me one aisle. There's a difference. I don't, I would care about the people that I know in that industry 
who can, who that's their livelihood. The people that I don't know whose livelihood is, that's what would bother me. If I didn't make another bet or watch another race tomorrow, would I miss it a little bit? Sure, but it wouldn't be at the end of the world. I mean, I'd be more, I'm more concerned about other people's livelihoods. So let's hope it gets resolved. The game generates a lot of jobs, a lot of, yeah. a lot of tax revenue for, for, for the state and all the cities and preserves green space, all these beautiful farms. And the, they're not, uh, they're not uh, divided up into the housing. Uh, settlements and, and whatnot. It's a uh, it's a very very important game to, uh, to our state. state. Yeah, and, and really to the country because I mean, is it yeah it, it it pays a lot of puts a lot of uh, dinners on the table nationwide. Agreed. I wish uh, wish somebody would step up and, and acknowledge that. Yeah. All right, we done. Let's wrap it up there. What do you say? All right, Brandon, you got anything you want to add? Nope. Uh, just good luck and head good to luck, Belmont. Sir. I'll try to report back, but uh, in a week and a half, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what goes uh, in a week and a half. All right. All right. Well, let's tie a bow on this. On behalf of our wonderful guest, Connor Murphy, trainer of Stakes Winner Foreign Relations. I'm CC Broadus, joined alongside by Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers. And a cast of thousands, reminding you, in the words of Jerry Romans, we're not happy until you're not happy. (laughs) I love that. Good night.